Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today's a very special episode. It's one of our very first, I think the first in-person episode, along with, I feel like I'm going to say this in every episode now, technology is not our friend, but (laughs) we're making it work. We're here, we're in the Nashville area recording this in person, so hopefully it's a good, fun interview for you guys. So Sarah and Jeff are joining us, Adults in Disney, you might know them better by that, on Instagram, also adultsindisney.com. Also, if you're a longtime listener, you may have heard them back in episode number nine. So way back when we were just getting started, Sarah and Jeff agreed to come on and chat with me. So we are so appreciative for that. And now we are so happy to be able to circle back around and hear about this Tokyo trip. So Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Thank you guys. We really appreciate you bringing us back. Yeah. So back in episode nine, one of the things that we left off on is that you were about to launch your website. So adultsanddisney.com. So if you can give us an update on that, how has that been going? What kind of content have you been writing about? And you know, what have been your learning experiences there? Yeah, so it's been really fun so far. So Jeff did most of the setup kind of design of the website. Um, I do most of the blog grading. And so I think some of my favorite posts have been ones, we try to focus mostly on stuff related to adults and adult things to do. Uh, But I really like the ones related to some of the tours that we've done. So I think our most popular post has been our top three favorite tours that we have done. Uh, So those are always good things for like date night or if you're looking for something special. So I really like those. And then we've kind of progressed more recently into a few reviews and talking about our Tokyo trip. So it's it's been really fun. Yeah, I agree. I had never built a website before, so it was the first time. It was a little frustrating at first, but kind of got the hang of it, asked some friends for some help, and now I just pretty much, my role is just to post whatever Sarah hands me every, usually like Tuesday morning or so, and that's about all I do on it now. Yeah. So another thing that has been really cool to follow for the evolution of your account is the photography. So I know you've always been into photography, but it seems like you're really getting getting a lot of recognition now for some of these amazing photographs that you're able to put out and it's very deserved recognition as well. So what has that been like to kind of hone in those skills and use Instagram as that, that platform to share the pictures? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's added a whole new kind of adventure to our Disney trips. Uh, it gives us a lot of reasons to try and get to the parks maybe a little early before a lot of people get there in the mornings besides just rides or to stay late at night after the park clears out to try and catch fireworks from different angles, things like that. So if anything else, it's just given us a new kind of enjoyment, something to do different on the trips that we didn't do in the past. Yeah, we definitely have much later nights now so uh, than we ever did before, trying to stay after the park close a bit. And I've gotten very good at carrying a tripod. So I've, <laughs> I've really honed in that talent of mine. So whenever you stay late, have you ever been kindly asked to leave? Uh, Yeah, and usually in Disney World, that's not really the case um, until quite a while after. But in Tokyo, uh, we were actually asked to leave, I think, three or four different times. And it was about 30 minutes after the park closed. And they were pretty nice about it. They'd always be like, all right, one more. And then they'd kind of shoo you along. And... They didn't really say one more. They'd give you like one more with their finger because they were speaking Japanese and <laughs> we clearly couldn't understand them. But it was a lot of fun and, you know, they were very friendly about it for the most part. They they were accommodating. Yeah, we got uh, politely asked to leave out of Magic Kingdom one time, but I think it was about 
2.30 or 3 in the morning and it had closed at midnight. So that was well after and I don't uh, have any problem with them asking us to go at that point. But it was after a Christmas party, I think, that we had stayed way after and they were like, can you go or keep going? And so they were kindly kind of pushing us towards the exit. So yeah, that was kind of, I guess, the one super, super late in Disney World. I'm curious because in our experience, this past trip on Christmas was our first time trying to stay late into the parks. And we were kind of being funneled back towards the hub. Is that typically how they'll do it is try to push you, you know, towards the castle of Magic Kingdom or, or towards the Tree of Life in Animal Kingdom? Uh, yeah, so in Magic Kingdom especially, like, they'll kind of get everybody into the hub and then kind of slowly work you down Main Street to the point where, you know, you're kind of where the flagpole is and that's where they kind of don't really care how long you stay around because all the security and everybody, the cast members are further back working and you're kind of out of their way just in this one area taking pictures. Gotcha. So the main thing, of course, that we want to talk to you guys about today is Tokyo. So you guys just got back maybe two weeks ago. Yeah. So it's still very fresh on the brain. So what was that like? Kind of, I don't know. What's the initial <laughs> thoughts? Now to have some time to marinate and, you know, being able to think back on that trip. It was amazing. So if you get a chance, even though it is an insanely long flight, regardless of where you're at, it's probably a long flight, but if you can get there, it is worth it. So we both had a blast. It was a really, really fun trip. Uh, so I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I definitely loved it too. I, I think Disney Sea is unlike anything else I've ever experienced and everybody should try it one time in their life if they're able to. Disneyland was a lot of fun too, but it's a little bit more of your traditional Disney park, but either way, it was it was awesome and I loved it there. So we talked a little bit off air about that really the key is the flights, but if you can get flights and then get to Tokyo, it's really not too financially, you know, outrageous and, and it's some somewhat comparable to, to going to Walt Disney World, would you say? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, you can find cheap flights uh, just depending on how long you're willing to take layovers and that kind of stuff. Or if you can use points, that's always a good option. But I'd say like once you get there, um, the hotels could be very reasonable. So they have an area um, on the monorail that's kind of like the official hotels, but more like the Disney Spring affiliated hotels. If you're comparing it to Walt Disney World, they were very reasonably priced. The park tickets are substantially uh, cheaper. So those you can get a four day uh, they only allow park hopping on the three and four days three and four, but that's about like two hundred dollars. So if you compare that to even just single days at, at Magic or park hopping at Walt Disney World, it's actually not that far off from just like a one day ticket there. Um, so yeah, the park tickets were very reasonable. Food was extremely reasonable. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to talk with you guys later about some of the meals we had, but that was very very reasonably priced. Uh, I think the place they kind of make their money is merchandise. So merchandise was the one thing. If you wanted to load up on merchandise, they were I think making their money in that part. Lots of Duffy stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. They had a big Duffy and Friends like release party on one of the days we were there. Mm -hmm. And I swear every store that sold Duffy had at least like a two hour line of people up front. Uh, they were certain places were having you sign up and get tickets just to come back to then stand in line to then wait and get your picture taken with one of these Duffy characters. They're, they're very big Duffy fans. <laughs> yes. yes. The, and mind you, they're waiting two hours to purchase a stuffed Duffy bear. Well, I'd say the most, all the majority of the rides had probably a half hour to 45 minute wait. So they were like well over any of the wait times. You still have like your couple big attractions that would maybe be longer, but 
most of the rides were substantially less than the merchandise lines for, for a couple of the days we were there. So I was going to ask this later, but it's, I think, an appropriate time now. It's a great segue. So a lot of pictures that you'll see, you know, of people at the gates to Disneyland, of the lines just being tremendous. And I think a lot of people just assume that the crowds are just like crazy completely insane so once you get in the park is it really that much different than you know being in magic kingdom in a in a summer uh so about the lines outside the park that was our initial reaction the first day we were there too as you see these lines and at walt disney world you know it'd be a 40 minute wait just to get into the park whereas there we were through those lines in six seven minutes um it's incredibly efficient so Yes, the lines are huge that you see these pictures to get in the park, but they go very fast. And then once you're in the parks, at least, you know, we were there early January, they're not busy. I mean, it, there's there's a crowd, but it's not as busy as you would think given the line to get into the park. I would say one real big difference is I feel like at the U.S. parks, or at least Walt Disney World, um, if you go early, usually you can beat a lot of the crowd and um, get to some of the rides and it's not that busy. I feel like in Japan, people are early people. And so they would get there early. Like at one morning we woke up and we're going and there was people waiting at the gate two, two and a half hours ahead of time. And we were like, what? what is going on? Are we going to not make it? But we ended up getting to the park maybe only 20, 30 minutes before. And like Jeff was saying, they get you through so fast because they don't have the fingerprints or any of that stuff. So it's basically like you're cashing out the grocery store and there's like ding, 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 like scan each ticket so quickly you get through insanely fast. So for us, I, it was a quiet time of year. If you go at a busier time of year, you might want to do it a bit differently, but um, we found the crowds be minimal and getting in very easy. Yeah. I, I think the only ride we waited for a long time in was our very first ride of the day we didn't we wanted to do a specific ride as the first one and it was journey center of the earth and we waited i think maybe 60 or 70 minutes and beyond that i don't think we waited probably more than 45 and that was a long wait i mean most of them were under 30 minutes so if everyone is an early bird are the parks still crowded at night or do they all go home like really early um i mean it at the very end of the night, it was relatively quiet. I, I don't think it kind of just slowly people seemed to trickle out. It wasn't like, you know, there was a big show and then everybody would exit. It was just kind of a slow decline in the crowds up until the very end. Yeah, I'd say it was just more consistent. It wasn't like, oh gosh, by 11 o'clock, it was just insane in there. So it was just kind of like people came in, but it, it definitely, I would say like going back to what you guys were saying before, it didn't feel at any point even close to like the summer crowds at Walt Disney World or nowhere near any of that. If you're used to like the busy Walt Disney World crowds, this felt not at all <laughs> like that. It was, it was reasonably quiet. That's good to know because I mean, that's that's been our initial reaction of like seeing vlogs or seeing pictures or stories of of trying to get into the park and it's kind of like, all right, when we go, like, you've got to be prepared for that. But it's good to know that once you get in, it kind of normalizes out. And honestly, it just makes me so perturbed, I guess is the right word, that in Walt Disney World, like if there's one time I'm not feeling the magic, (laughs) it's if you're behind someone who doesn't know how to scan in their magic band. (laughs) Yeah. And, And I would say also that one big difference, at least for the majority of the people in the park, I think are... Um, not American or not at least not English speakers so I don't know if they're mostly Japanese or what the breakdown would be but 
they are so courteous and they don't like shove to do stuff. So I think the best example would be um, even if you have a crowd. So we were in Tower of Terror and waiting to go into like the room where you get the backstory. Um, and there was somebody who had a wheelchair and they were kind of in the front and everyone just stood there and waited for the person to be able to be brought in, put in a spot. And then everyone slowly filed in and they kept their order. So even if there is a case where you're with lots of people, it was not stressful at all. It was just lovely how easily it kind of all went. So yeah, it was, it was very enjoyable. Maybe they need to like make some videos of how <laughs> like how it how it should work. Because <laughs> I can picture that same scenario in Disney World, and you can just see like all the kids and the families just like making a chain and like going around the wheelchair and just like someone getting their ankle rolled up on and <laughs> yeah. yelling at them. <laughs> yeah, bad scenarios. So you talked about a little bit before about just getting to Tokyo. It's kind of the biggest obstacle. But once you get there, what does that process look like to get from the airport to the Tokyo Disney Resort? Yeah, so it was really easy. We arrived into Narita Airport and we bought tickets on what's called the, I think, the uh, limousine bus. And it, there's a shuttle, or I'm sorry, there's a uh, ticket window right outside of the baggage area and with an English speaking um, agent. There's my, multiple agents, but so we went up bought our ticket to tell him which hotel we were going to in the Disney area. And he told us what time to go out front. There's a very clearly numbered uh, bus stop right outside of the, the entrance to the airport, maybe like a two minute walk from this window. We got there, waited for a short while for our bus to come, very clearly labeled in English and Japanese. Um, we hand our ticket to a worker. They tagged our bags, loaded them on the bus. We got on the bus and it went directly to the Disneyland area. So the route we were on was directly to Disneyland. Um, we made a stop at Disneyland to drop off some guests. We made a stop at the Ambassador Hotel to drop off some guests. And then we were the third stop at the Hilton. And the whole thing cost, I think, $14 and took about an hour and 15 minutes to get there and it couldn't have been any easier. Hmm. That's good to know. Yeah, especially I feel like the other big thing that we would be worried about or other people might be worried about is like the language barrier. So I feel like everything you've mentioned so far has been pretty easy, which yeah. is good to know. Yeah, I would say that, so Jeff and I together know konnichiwa, arigato, and sayonara. So hello, thank you, and goodbye. Um, arigato is the one we use the most, uh, but with just that much, like we were perfectly fine. Like we never had a problem. Um, I'd say almost every sign was in both Japanese and English. So that was pretty easy to figure out. Um, the only thing that I wasn't brave enough to figure out is they have toilets with buttons that are only in Japanese. And so I wasn't really to mess with any of those. But, um, but honestly, just about everything was in English and it was, it was super easy. So if the language is intimidating to you at all, the people were extremely friendly. I would argue they have the best cast members I've ever encountered there. Um, the hotel staff, even the bus and everything uh, was super easy and very friendly, very safe place. Yeah. And enough people spoke English. So, you know, there was a handful of people behind the desk at each hotel that spoke English um, to check you in. At the information centers in the parks, like information booths, there'd be people who spoke English. At the airport, there were people who spoke English. So not most people didn't, but you could go to these very clear areas where if you needed something, you could speak to somebody in English and it wasn't that big of an issue. I mean, even in the park, 
One time we had a question about when a show was and we asked a cast member if she spoke English and she said no, like she knew enough that we wanted to speak English with her. And she, she said just a second and she walked over and found a colleague who was just down the way that did. And so it was very easy even though we didn't speak Japanese and there was this language barrier, it didn't really impact our trip at all. Just curious, did you run into many other English speakers, either Australians or Brits or other Americans? No, I would guess 5% yeah, in I was, the parks. I would have said 5% as well. But I would say the cast members or people we interacted with were insanely good at like trades and hand signals. Um, so even if we weren't there, if they were trying to instruct us on a ride or what we need to pull or anything like that, um, they were just so animated and good at their jobs uh, that I felt like I didn't need to talk with them. Like I completely knew what they were getting at. So. Um, the only thing that maybe could be hard is if you do have, um, if you're, we had a colleague meet us and he was vegan. And so they did the best they could to try to get dietary stuff, but conveying some of those type of things, all the menus though are in English. So if you can find something, you can just point, um, but for like modifying or changing stuff, that would maybe be the only scenario. But for us, we were pretty easy and didn't have a problem, but he, a little bit. Not to get into like a culture discussion, but it does, like, it is very refreshing to hear that everybody there is just so welcoming. And they're not, you hear those some Americans who have the, my, that, you know, the mindset of, you're in America, you need to speak English. It's great that that is not an international thing. And, and you know, I hope that when international travelers come to Disney parks in the U.S., that they don't feel intimidated by any of the cast members who maybe aren't as willing to, to take those extra steps to communicate with them. Yeah, so I don't really have any idea if what it's like in Tokyo, because we did only Disney on this trip. And in Disney, uh, that was, you know, it did not matter what language you spoke. You know, they were very good at telling you, take off your backpack, don't take pictures here, and no tripods allowed. They could tell you that with just their hands. <laughs> um, but in, even at the airport, too, but these are places probably where they have a large number of non-Japanese-speaking people. So... I mean, just based on that, I would imagine even in Tokyo, it's fine, but I can't really speak to that. Yeah. So I know this is kind of off topic, but you mentioned it and I think it's hilarious, um, but like the bathroom situation. So like even in the parks, just like briefly describe the bathrooms. <laughs> yeah. So, so the first time I went into one of the public restrooms in the park, I honestly went out and I was like, Jeff, did you go in the stall? And he's like, no, I didn't go in the stall. Um, but I was like, you need to go in the stall. And so I could only speak for the female bathrooms, but you go in and um, they were magical. So you would have like, you'd walk in and there'd be a sensor and it would start playing like sound, rain, water. So like you wouldn't have to hear anybody else or anything else going on in the bathroom. And then there'd be tons of buttons. Again, I didn't really want to mess with the buttons, but it was cold that time of year. Um, and so the, the seats were heated. Um, and so it was just like the most lovely uh, public restroom <laughs> experience ever. So yeah, they were, um, I wasn't sure if it was just like a fluke, but every, every restroom I went into, I think was like that. It's extremely clean as well. So um, sometimes you can hit, like in Disney World, the one bathroom where you're like, oh, no, don't use that one. <laughs> um, and I know they try to keep up on all of them, and it's just hard with the number of people. So I don't know if because it's a quieter time of year or they just are very uh, good at it. But it was, yeah, the bathrooms there were, were magical. But, yeah, I wasn't brave enough to push any of the buttons. <laughs> I just had the flush I got. But, yeah. That's fine. It just makes me wonder, like, when they come to the Disney World parks, mm. like, how they must cringe coming into our bathrooms and like you said like they are very clean like Disney does do a good job of that I will say but 
it still must make them cringe a little. Yeah, they'd sit down and be like, where's my heated seat? Yeah. <laughs> what just, is going on? Do you have one bathroom in Disney World that you just, like, you refuse to go into? I have one. I do. I hate the one by Refreshment Port in Epcot. It's always packed because it's so small and everyone it's, goes there. Was that the one by the Figment or no? I don't know. Mine is the one right there when you're walking into Epcot and it's to the right just past Spaceship Earth. Oh, I know you're talking about. Like, yes. That one is terrible. <laughs> yeah. That could no. be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> All the restrooms of Jadine's and Because everybody talks about the restrooms that they love, but there's also some that, like, I love. I would avoid them at all yeah. costs. All the Tokyo ones are lovely. <laughs> Good to know. So next thing is hotels. So I know you guys took a unique approach to hotels. So can you walk us through that and some of the key takeaways that you had with those? Sure, so we actually stayed at four hotels when we were there. Um, we did one night at three hotels and then one of the hotels we stayed at for four nights straight. So the first night was at a Hilton and that was kind of a last minute. We weren't sure if we were gonna stay in downtown Tokyo or if we wanted to go straight to Disney. Um, so we stayed at that one. Um, the Hilton and the Sheridan were next door. So when we changed hotels, we actually just walked our luggage uh, next door. And they're part of the monorail stop, which is what they call the Disney official hotels. So there's four stops in the monorail you have the official hotels each park so disneyland and disney sea and then you have one other stop which is like their shopping and the train into tokyo so this one was on that official hotel stop the hilton i'd say was nice but it was a bit like dated i guess what did you say yeah the lobby the the restaurants like the breakfast area was all really nice with the common area type stuff but the rooms were a little dated. They're just a little older. Uh, they didn't have many outlets. Of the four, I mean, I would stay there again, but it was my least favorite of the four. Yeah, I agree. And the so that one was just the one night. And then uh, we had four nights at the Sheridan. That was great. It's basically like your typical, what you'd expect from an American uh, hotel. So really nice rooms, uh, very clean, very nice lobby. Uh, and again, it's right on the monorail. So the walk from both, I'd say the Hilton, the Sheridan may be a little bit closer, but it'd be like if you were staying at the Polynesian and you were in one of the buildings and you had to walk from that building to the monorail stop was basically the distance that you'd have to walk. So they were substantially less expensive than the Disney hotels uh, that we stayed at. So I would uh, definitely recommend, I think if you're looking to kind of not just go for gold with all of your hotel stays, if you're looking for like a reasonable price hotel, I would definitely go with the Sheridan. Um, but any of the ones along the monorail would be good. Good. So after we did the Sheridan, we spent one night at Hotel Miracosta and one night at the Disneyland. You want to do Miracosta? Tell them about Sure. Um, so Miracosta, I think, was our favorite hotel. It was uh, the third one we were at, and it's really unique in that I think it's the only Disney hotel in the world that's actually located inside of the park. So it's about 100, 200 yards inside of uh, Disney Sea. And we had a room, I forget the exact name of that type of room, but it was one that looked over the park itself so we could watch the night show, see the guests, um, right from our room. And it's a real small hotel, it's really nice. And ultimately I think it was our favorite hotel just because it's such a unique experience that you can't really do anywhere else. Yeah, so I agree. And the Miracosta theme was kind of like a shipping harbor type theme. It had all of those like Disney details that you'd expect. So it's their pricing and the quality of it, I'd say is similar to the deluxe resorts that you would expect at Walt Disney World. 
Uh, and then the Disneyland Hotel is more, I guess, similar feeling to like the Grand Floridian. So Miracosta felt like something totally different, uh, but the Disneyland Hotel, the lobby felt like the Grand Floridian is very big and open and grand. Uh, and then the, the theming in the rooms, uh, we even had a few people DM us and be like, oh, that looks like the Grand Floridian. Uh, and so, yeah, so it definitely has more of that type of feel. That one was outside um, the monorail stop, so it's not as close to the park as Miracosta is. And so I've, if I had to pick and I was wanting to like have one special night or maybe multiple special nights, I would just do Miracosta. And if you can do the one that overviews the park. So uh, just look up like room tours and stuff there. It's a really awesome hotel, a really great view. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend Miracosta. Yep, it was it was pretty cool. I'd do Miracosta if you know budget doesn't matter or if you're just looking for one night splurge on your trip. Otherwise, Sheridan was perfectly perfectly fine for what we were looking for. And I think that's where I would recommend people stay in the future, unless you know you have no budget, then just do whatever you want. But <laughs> otherwise, the Sheridan was really nice, convenient, well priced, and I mean, I I was perfectly happy with it there. Mm -hmm. As far as booking those hotels, is it similar to Walt Disney World where you do it through the Tokyo Disney website or do you do it through a third party or, or how does uh, that work? So the Hilton and the Sheridan, we booked through the uh, Hilton app or the Hilton website and the Marriott app, Sheridan's now the Marriott. Mm -hmm. And for the other two, you book right through the Disney, the t uh, Tokyo Disney mm -hmm. website and you have to be on exactly at, I think it's something like 8 a.m. our time. It's, a, it's an equivalent time in Japan. I forget exactly what it is, but that's when the rooms go on sale and you have to book five months out if exactly at 9 a.m. or whatever time it is that it starts, if you want the room that at Miracosta that overlooks the park because there's limited number and they're in very high demand. So that was possibly the most stressful part of the entire <laughs> thing because you know you know what day it is you have one day to book it otherwise you can't go to the and stay in that room on that day so you do get on and do it quickly right at that time but if you don't care about look, overlooking the park or having that one specific room you know you don't have to do it right at that time because there were other rooms available later when we looked back and same with disneyland there's no real rush to do it right at the 9 a.m it's just if you want that one specific hotel room at Miracosta. At Miracosta, I would say splurge and get the view. So get on there five months before, do it. At Disneyland, we we did like maybe one half step up so we could have somewhat of a view, but I would, at Disneyland Hotel, I wouldn't really like splurge for anything view-wise because no. the, the station's there. So that was one of our debates, like do we do this? Do we get that, the nicer one? So I would just go Miracosta resort view. But yeah, it was, stressful for we were both logged in i think they still let you refund it so like if we happen to both book it or something um but yeah but it yeah, was it, it is, was a login and make sure we get it it is refundable though and so like there's no downside to booking except you do have to make it a positive i think it was 30,000 30, yen which was just under 300 dollars but you know whatever make it and just get it back if you don't want to do it or if you decide it wasn't worth it so yeah there's no downside to it and one last thing on that view, I remember seeing in your stories, you got a really great view of Fantasmic one night, right? Yes. 
that was pure luck so we were at uh, Disney for I think three nights at that point and it kept getting canceled so we kept trying to watch Fantasmic in the harbor like in person like in the park um, and even that night we had gone and tried to watch it and because it was super windy that time of year they just kept canceling it um, and so we were up and getting ready for bed in the room and we uh, like took the pictures of the park like good night everyone here's what the park looks like and even though everyone's like sleeping or just waking up in America but so we were like, okay, here's the view. And then we went and got ready for bed. And then I went over, I'm like, Jeff, what's happening? Like, look at this view. And so, and then all of a sudden thousands of people were walking in, wouldn't you say? It was yeah, insane. Probably a couple thousand. And so then they made an announcement saying like, welcome corporation, blah, blah, blah. So it was a corporate mm -hmm. event. And um, they were doing a special modified version of Fantasmic for them. So either the winds had died down enough or the, the company paid enough. I don't know what the deal <laughs> is. Um, but yeah, so, and all the people had glow sticks. So we got like this amazing experience where we could see everyone. They had all the glow sticks in the crowd that were changing colors, which normally I don't think would happen. And then the show. So we got to see it only because we just got super insanely lucky from our room and able to kind of watch that from, from there. And we cracked our windows. We could hear all the music and all of that. <laughs> Jeff had his camera glued to the window to try to get some <laughs> pictures of it. And so it was, it was awesome. Yeah. I think the only thing that that show missed was, were the fireworks at night. Mm -hmm. um, I think everything else was in the show. So the modified version, I think, just didn't have the fireworks due to the high winds. Mm -hmm. But other than that, yeah, we, we got to see it randomly by thankfulness of some corporation that decided <laughs> to throw a party that night. Disney magic. We'll call it Disney <laughs> <Yeah>. magic. <laughs> so great. I think that lays a really great foundation because I think a lot of the questions people have are on the planning side of it just because mm -hmm. it is different country kind of different setup than, than the U.S. parks. But the meat of what we want to discuss about is, we broke it down to a few categories, food, attractions and shows, and the atmosphere. So I think if we could start with just Disneyland. So what were kind of your initial, um, you know, impressions of Disneyland Park, and then we can jump into the food and attractions and atmosphere. Um, so I guess in like one sentence, it's similar to Disney parks in America. So it's similar to your Magic Kingdom. It's similar to your Disneyland. It's also similar, I guess, to your Disneyland Paris. It's, you know, your typical, here's your Main Street. Their Main Street's covered. I think it's called the World Bazaar. Mm -hmm. um, but you walk down the Main Street, the castle's in front of you with a hub, and then it's got all the land surrounding it. It's got your Space Mountain, your Splash Mountain, Thunder Mountain. Um, does have some other cool rides that aren't in America, but for the most part, you get the same sense or the same vibe as you would walking into any of those parks in America. Yeah, uh, the castle was the same as Magic Kingdom, so it was one of those we were taking pictures. I'm like, how are they going to know this is Tokyo? Like, it looks just like Magic <laughs> Kingdom. But um, but yeah, I think I agree with Jeff. They definitely have. Um, uh, they, they have Toontown, which we don't have in Magic Kingdom anymore. So uh, they have some stuff that's a little bit different, a little bit different layout. But the feel of that one definitely felt similar to like the parks we've been to before. Whereas when we talk about Disney Sea, that was totally different. Um, I will say the covered bazaar. I wasn't sure how I'd like it, but it was really neat. I, I enjoyed kind of the theming that they had all throughout there. Uh, for me, the thing that was most different was obviously the rides you get on them and they're in Japanese and so when we were in Paris they would have like half in English half in French maybe for some of the rides or shows here it was 
mostly Japanese. So they had a random maybe show or something that would have English, but um, it was Japanese. So like, for example, we rode the Jungle Cruise and we're like, okay, the Jungle Cruise. And so uh, we were riding it and he paused and everyone was just staring at him. And so we would like awkwardly laugh because we'd be like, well, obviously you're supposed to be laughing at the skipper's jokes. And so we would be there laughing and then we got off and we're like, well, maybe they don't tell jokes here. Maybe it's just like, there's the elephant pool and the lovely elephants and it's more informational. So we haven't actually Googled into that yet, but um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it felt definitely familiar walking around there. So, which, but it was still good and had new places experience, but it felt comfortable. Yeah, even the rides that were the same. So like Splash Mountain, we have it here, they have it there, but it's the same story, but the rooms or the scenes are, are different enough that it was really enjoyable. Thunder Mountain has almost identical queue when you get on it, it's a slightly longer ride. It's got some different scenes. Um, same thing with all the rides there that we went on. I think the only one that was identical ride, I do think Star Tours was the same, if I recall. Yeah, I think that was it has the, the same. same videos or movies that you Buzz Lightyear might also have been the same, but I yeah, can't. But what they, kind of guns did they have for Buzz Lightyear? Not good. Functioning ones, they, Well, they did function. <laughs> they did function, that's true. But not Disneyland version? Uh, where they, where they, where you can take them off and move them yourself. Did we take oh, Gosh, them I don't remember now. I don't even remember. Uh, there was, okay, so there was a ride, which I'm thinking of, I don't remember for Buzz. I want to say you could lift them, but we, they have a ride there that's different. So it's Monsters, Inc. And so there you can take off, they give you a flashlight, but it's like attached to the ride and it's called hide and seek. So you ride like, and go seek. ride and go seek, sorry. <laughs> um, and so you point your flashlight at the monsters and they like react. So you actually have a light and then it senses the light and then the ride interacts with you kind of. Um, so that one, I know you have control over, yes. <laughs> over the item, but yeah, I can't recall now for I don't remember. Um, we'll pretend it's the good one. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we've been talking about attractions. So were there any other attractions that really like stood out as being just amazing in Disneyland? Yeah, the most popular one we haven't mentioned is called Pooh's Honey Hunt. And it's a trackless ride, similar if you've ridden Ratatouille in Paris, soon to be Epcot. But it's a little bit more, I think, family friendly. It's not quite as um, high speed or anything like that. Um, but that is the most popular ride, I think, in Disneyland. And it, it is really awesome. I think we rode it five or six times over the <laughs> seven days there. It's, it's really cool. You go with a group of, I think, three or four different cars, and there's you know five or six people in a car. But you weave in and out, and depending on if you're the first, second, or third car in order, you, know, you go on a different on a different route, I was gonna say track, but there is no track. And it, it's just really cool how everybody just zigzags, weaves in and out of each other that you know you can never do with a ride that has a track. Hmm. Yeah, it was really good. It sounds awesome. And that's one of the, like, people rush to get that fast pass whenever yes. the yeah. park opens, right? The yes, one that, that is the one. I think our first morning there, I gave Jeff the phone. I was like, you do the stories, I'll get the fast passes. Cause I tend to walk a smidge faster. And I think he's recording, he's like, well, there she goes. But like, <laughs> it was, you. a lot of people will go and get fast passes more so than people even funnel to the ride sometimes. It's, mm. uh, but um, but yeah, that it's a, Splash Mountain was surprisingly busy as well, considering it was 50. So I feel like in Magic Kingdom at that time, if it gets that cold there, like no one is on it. And people were going for gold. They were just like, yep, we're still riding it. But that was really good too. I would say um, the rides were good. The things that are different at Tokyo uh, Disneyland are gonna be like the parades and the shows. So. And, uh, and the fast passes. So the fast passes are also like the old school paper ones. So when I was running, it's like, you have to have your ticket and scan it and you just get whatever time they're on. So that 
makes it a little more interesting for planning. But uh, but yeah, I'd say I I really enjoy parades. I really enjoy shows. Jeff a little less so, but he took one for the team and and joined most of them. We did one parade, which I felt bad about in uh, Disneyland. It was their New Year's parade. And so we caught it on the last day and it was one flow. It literally took (laughs) about 30 seconds. So we like, we're waiting. We waited maybe 15, 20 minutes before. And then it came out and we're like, that's it. And they're like, yeah, the New Year's flow or like something like that. I was like, no, but all the other parades were very good. I feel like by definition, that's not a parade. No, I don't I know. All, all the other people there seemed very excited to see this one float. <laughs> yeah, what was the float? Uh, I think Mickey was on top of it. In their New Year's attire. So I don't yeah. know if it was a new outfit. And so they're very excited over characters. So Jeff. Yes, um, they love to take pictures of characters. There there were some, some big lenses. Jeff had a bit of photographer envy over some of these lenses and <laughs> tripods. And, or no, not tripods. Lenses and cameras and everything that was taking place. You're not allowed to have tripods. But um, but yeah, they it was interesting. But the parades people lined up quite a bit before. Um, but I wish Disney would steal what they do there. Um, um, so, if I'm not jumping the gun on anything, no, go for it. Uh, so at the parades there, they have the first three rows of people have to sit. So they enforce it. Like they walk around and they're like, even if you're trying to like sit up on your knees more, they're like, no, sit. You have to sit or whatever. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, because you have the three rows of people sitting, and then if you want to take pictures or you want to stand, then there's the let you know where that point is, and then you can stand behind. But so many more people could see the parades, and it was so organized and easy. Um, we were a little unprepared because all the Japanese people would have like uh, stuff to sit on. They would carry bags with like their little mats to sit on. We would just sit on the ground and they probably thought we were nuts for that but that's okay um but yeah it was it was a lovely system so i wish that the other parks would do it it made it so much more enjoyable i remember when we were in disneyland in october and we sat down to watch paint the night Mm. immediately people just came and got right in front of us i i had to get up it was so bad there i mean i know there's kids and i you know i can whatever but they were literally like knees in my back, like kicking me, trying to stand behind me, just trying to inch closer and closer and closer and closer. So I just had to like, you want this spot? I'm done. Like I can't. <laughs> so that would have been very helpful. No, but I, I completely agree. I think it would be great that if that was just like, that's how things are done. And, and you know, if you want to be in the first three rows and that's the expectation, and if Disney could find a way to enforce that in the U.S. parks, I feel like that would be I, great. Yeah. I do wonder what it's like when it's raining. I wonder if they still enforce it. I mean, we didn't have any bad weather. It was just it was cold. But I do kind of wonder, you know, do they make them still sit? Is that not a rule? Does just nobody take the first three rows and the standing row becomes row one? So I, I don't know how that works in that case. But, yeah, in normal weather days, it was awesome. I can remember one Mickey's Not So Scary party that we went to. And just like, I guess just the luck of the draw of who was in the park that night, they sat down for the entire fireworks. Really? And that was the most enjoyable fireworks show that I've ever seen. Everyone sat down. That's maybe, awesome. maybe everyone was just exhausted <laughs> on a candy high or something, but everyone sat. But I just thought this would be perfect if it was this way every time. And now doing photography, I'd love that as well because like, <laughs> if I could just go a little bit further back or to the side, you don't have to worry about, you know, getting in the back of people's heads. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was awesome. They happened both the daytime parades and then the light parade at night. So both both cases they had uh, everyone kind of just did it. So Well, cool. So, I think maybe next thing would be food. So, I know two of the biggest, you know, things that people like at the Tokyo Disney Resort 
or the mochi and the popcorn. So anything in Disneyland Park that, that stood out in those two categories or anything for food. Yeah, I don't recall which parks had which popcorn because there were so many flavors <laughs> yeah. and we tried them all. Um, so maybe Sarah has a better sense of which popcorn flavors came from Disneyland. I memorized them all. I knew <laughs> I ate so much popcorn. I'm normally not like a huge pop corn person in the parks, but I was in Tokyo that I got converted. But um, yeah, so in Disneyland, uh, I think my favorite type of popcorn, uh, which I don't believe Jeff was as big of a fan of, was a uh, soy sauce and butter popcorn. And I got with it like almost like a bubble tea, uh, I forget what mango bubble tea. I think it was Jeff ended up taking that. So I got only got about a sip, but that was really, really good. I enjoyed even, um, so they had like curry and barbecue and a whole bunch of other flavors. I liked trying them all. Uh, I think my least favorite was probably the barbecue out of any of them, but mochi balls. So I was obsessed with the popcorn. I was obsessed with mochi balls. So I was spot on <laughs> for like the stereotypical Tokyo snacks. Um, and the mochi balls were really good. So all of the ones that I had had, um, like a sweet filling so you either had strawberry or chocolate or vanilla you got one of each of those per order if you ordered three uh and when i was there there weren't any stormtrooper ones so it was aliens in both disneyland and disney sea so i don't know if they were just out of the stormtrooper ones or if they're permanently switching to the aliens um but they taste the same i imagine and they were they were delicious so i ate my fair share <laughs> of both of them a few people asked what they're like i don't really know if I can describe the mochi balls, but inside's kind of like a pudding almost, uh, or custard, I guess. And then the outside is the texture. It doesn't taste like it, but almost like a raw noodle. Like if you took like a ravioli <laughs> noodle, that's a little bit like, um, well, not raw, like cooked. Oh but yeah, like, but like, uh, sorry, yeah. So I don't. It's really weird. It's, it's not. I, it's not what it, I thought it would be at all. But, but it was good. Yeah. Was yeah, really good. they're really good. So I mean, um, even if you're hesitant about trying new foods like that, I'd say it's pretty safe. Uh, we only had one snack, so Jeff had gotten, and I don't even know what it was called, because uh, it lasted about 30 seconds. He took one bite, and it was gone before I could even really look at it. I think he must have here try this and laughed as he said it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, thank you. Um, but. But yeah, they and they had a bunch of like buns and a type of other stuff. Um, but I would say the snack game there is is really good. The waffles we did waffles; those were good. Mm -hmm. The bread. Um, so we did yeah. the the bread line was also so merchandise line was long. Uh, the bread line at one point we were like, what could this line possibly be for? And so I don't know if they just only have so many Mickey breads. I think is what everyone was getting. But it was how long do you think it was for to get bread? I swear to God, they must have been <laughs> in line five hours. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a massive we thought like they were giving out free hotel stays lifetime annual pass <laughs> yes, it was, it was, it, it was incredible we did not wait enough for the bread so we got it at like nine o'clock one night when it closed at 10 and i was like okay i'm gonna wander in there's not a massive line let's get there some were no this. mickey breads though there weren't they were gone with those but i got the alien or the mike wazowski bread the melon bread and a few other things so um, it was very good and everything else, but I don't know if I would have waited. Uh, I, I will say that was the single longest line I saw my entire time there. Not, not exaggerating. Like of all the lines I saw, this thing went probably like 300 yards and then circled back and did this like five times. Take La Cava tequila and Epcot and like multiply by 10. <laughs> it was incredible. So it was nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to, once Galaxy's Edge opens, I want to like see 
a cue for that, and you tell me. Okay. <laughs> was longer. Or it's just like the bread line in Tokyo. <laughs> no, but but yeah, um, but the food I'd say was really good. The one food we did have that is I guess associated with Disneyland, but wasn't in the park, is when we stayed at the Disneyland hotel. We did their afternoon tea there, um, and so that was more of our I guess like sit down meal associated with. Uh, Disneyland or Disneyland Hotel. Uh, and so that was a full service tea. I thought it was okay. If you like have a sweet tooth, the desserts were really good. They give you tea, which was very good. Um, but honestly, I think we both concluded we liked the one at the Grand Floridian better. So people who are Tokyo Disney fans, like don't hate us on that. But if you get a chance to go to Disney World, do the one at the Grand Floridian. For us, we thought it was, it was a little bit better than the one there. I do have to ask about the popcorn because I've gotten cheddar popcorn from Epcot before mm. and Brendan can attest it made like my fingers orange, my mouth mm -hmm. orange, it was like a whole mess, I looked like a child. You needed a bib. <laughs> <laughs> Did the popcorn there do that? Like even though it was flavored, was it messy? No. I think it was still like normal popcorn color for the most part. <laughs> so if there were any like spices or stuff, I didn't notice it getting on me. There were two flavors in Disney Sea, which were chocolate and strawberry. Um, those were more like caramel corny texture. Uh, those were probably our favorite two out of any of them. The only popcorn we did not try was the garlic and shrimp popcorn um, because it smelled, you could smell it miles away. <laughs> um, and so maybe that one would have had some lingering hand smells, but all the ones we we had yeah you weren't you were okay you would you not no. need your bib you'd be all right <laughs> i definitely like i could never do that again like, it was not worth it it turned like it your, was comical your, yeah your tongue your teeth your lips everything it was everywhere that's yeah. funny so a, another thing that i thought about in the popcorn the little stands like in Walt Disney World where they have the little figurines that are like turning it do they have like cool ones for the ones in Tokyo I Did recall seeing one, and it was a monkey. There were multiple. So I was purchasing she most was, of the she popcorn. She was way more into this popcorn thing than me. I was very into the popcorn. So yeah, they would have some, um, some would be characters. Like I think I saw the bear from Splash Mountain um, in one of them. And so they definitely had them. But yeah, I was more focused on the popcorn buckets. So their popcorn bucket game is pretty intense over there. I'd say, what percent of people do you think were carrying a popcorn bucket every day? Um, I would say... Probably a quarter of the people or 90% of the families had at least had like a popcorn bucket with them. And they would legit like carry it as, and then in the queues be like snacking on their popcorn, put it away. And so it was, it wasn't just like a, I'm carrying around. Like a novelty. It, they used it. They it was, used it. Yeah. It was, yeah. And so, and they were pretty awesome. A few of them had like the Cars, um, Lightning McQueen one, and they would be like dragging it behind <laughs> them. I'm like, that's brave of you. Like I could see somebody accidentally like stepping on it, but, but yeah, they, they had loads of different popcorn buckets even like ones that aren't currently available like there was so so fun to look at them there was just so yeah. many yeah were there any shows in disneyland and it's maybe a good time to talk about their show policy which i know is really unique to that park as well uh yeah there's three shows i think uh there was one man's dream which is an actual show like in a theater um I don't know the names of the other two, but there was a castle um, projection show, and then there was kind of a fireworks show. <laughs> um, so those are the three. I believe for the projection show and One Man's Dream, they have a lottery system where you go 
They have all these kiosks, you scan your tickets, however many people are in your group, once you've scanned them all, it's counted up how many there are, push a button on the screen, and it tells you you lose. That's it. <laughs> you don't win, it just tells you you lose, and then you can go stand and stand by. You, so it is a free lottery, so you should in theory be able to win, but we were there the seven days and we you can do one at one park, one at the other. You can do both lotteries and we like learned the like the, like you lose. And for the first, I think three or four days, we kept doing it in Japanese. And so the screen was in Japanese and we're like, okay, I think this means okay. There's a check mark that has to meet and we like scan it. So we figured it out. And then we, after that, figured out there's a translate to English. Like just in the top right, it was like English. And I was like, oh, um, but yeah, but we, we were joking and saying like you can't win like it was it was not possible to win but um, the one man's dream show is uh, more like a character show so if you want to like see all the characters and they sing and dance so that's more of uh, interacting with characters if you have kids that are big characters people or if you're a big characters person you'd like that the castle show uh, with the projection I would say is similar um, maybe not as good of a quality maybe as happily ever after I might just be biased um, but it was still a very good show it also had a little bit of water features on the side so similar to more the Disneyland um, castle show if you've or Disneyland Paris have you seen that one the fireworks um, were were not the best. <laughs> so, it was a letdown. Yeah, and uh, so Jeff was very frustrated, but he knew this going in, that they weren't behind the castle. Yeah, so if you're in Magic Kingdom and you're facing the castle, the fireworks go off probably like over top of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't look at both at the same time. <laughs> uh, it's really weird, and they're very small, and it's very short, and I knew they weren't behind the castle when I looked up photography t related things prior to going, but it still disappointed me. Um, the other two were awesome, the other two shows, but that one, that was a little disappointment. We think the fireworks, they might be constrained because of like population location and all of that, or maybe they're close to an airport or it could have been the wind factor as well. But yeah, that was, if you have to miss one, the fireworks drop. I, I will say though, going back to the lottery, um, we never won a lottery, but we saw every show and Every show has standby, but the first showing of One Man's Dream and Big Band B in Disney Sea, the first showing each day has no lottery. So if you want to see it and you want a relatively good seat, I think if that's important to you, go to the first showing because standby gets access to every seat, whereas in later shows you'd only get access to what's left over. Um, and but it is, it is, it, you are able to watch it even without winning a lottery. It's not like you lose, you don't get to see this. Mm -hmm. Most cast members had said uh, for the show, the main popular show in Magic Kingdom or um, Disneyland and the main show in Disney Sea, if you came about 45 minutes early, you should be perfectly fine. We showed up to the One Man's Dream way too early. We were there maybe 40 minutes before and people, there was like empty seats maybe five minutes before. Again, maybe because it's a quiet time of year. The other park, we just got lucky too and also walked in like five minutes before. But they said generally 45 minutes is a good rule of thumb. Is One Man's Dream the one that is in English? Or is it a different one? The in one in Disney Sea. Yeah. Gotcha. That one's like New York themed, so everything's in English and the rest of the audience is just like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah. One last question that I had, and then we'll switch over to Disney Sea. Did you notice while you were there, and I'm the projection show is what made me think about it. I know Japanese kind of culture and, and people really love Pooh and all of those characters. Were there any other movies or characters that they really enjoyed that you maybe wouldn't see in the U.S. parks as much that you noticed? 
Um, so well, I Duffy. Well, yes. yeah. I mean, everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can see him. I think in Epcot, maybe. I, I could be wrong, but I think you can see him somewhere in America's parks. But over there, yeah, he's everywhere, and his friends are everywhere. Yeah, you definitely get a lot of Duffy. I would say that it wasn't that they were. Um, drawn to a certain movie or character set but i would say you'd when we'd be there especially in the mornings just walking around uh i think one morning we were walking back towards splash mountain and it's just all seven dwarfs like just standing there hanging out and so you could just walk up they don't really have a cue to meet most of the characters in like that scenario um they just are like hanging out if you want to walk up and take a picture with one of them you can and so i was just walking i'm like this i think is a big deal for character people that they're all just here together chilling <laughs> and so and then like all of the splash mountain aristocats were all together and all the Splash Mountain characters were out in front there and just hanging out and they just they just walk up to him give him a high five and we're not huge character people but if you are they just like freely float around and I think it's just kind of luck I guess if you happen upon them mm. but um, some characters like Mickey and those do have like set spots and some of them do have set homes that you can go meet but there was a lot especially earlier in the days just kind of floating around yeah and so you mentioned the projection show um, not related to the characters but it was a pretty cool show in that it, its focus was on the rides of oh. Disneyland. So mm -hmm. it would go through each of the rides and have a little cartoon show about that, which is kind of cool because that's totally not like anything else I've seen anywhere. Interesting. Their music yeah. was awesome. Like if yes. you need some Best music. music ever yeah. in Disneyland. <laughs> if you need to listen to some music, especially their 35th anniversary, which I think is coming to a close, it's just like, we walked into the thing, it's like, dun, 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 and I'm like, what is this? I feel <laughs> so, like, it just made us so excited, and yeah, they were really good with the music. Have you found it on YouTube? Oh, yeah. yes. yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got a whole thing set up, yeah. Now we have to find it. Yeah. So awesome. I think that's, that was a great discussion on Disneyland. So Disney Sea. I know it's way different than probably anything else you've ever experienced in a Disney park. What were your thoughts there? And then we'll jump into some of the specifics. It's the best Disney park in the world by a wide margin. I concur. Yeah, I think if I had to go to just one park on a given day and I can just transport myself anywhere, even though I like my heart loves Disney World so much and I love all the Disney World parks, like the details, I think there's seven lands that they have and each land is so different and so detailed. Um, and the rides aren't like as big of thrill rides maybe as you want here, but they're just all so well done. Um, maybe it's just because we went the once and now I'm already wishing I could be right back in it today. <laughs> but yeah, it was just a really great park. Um, so I, I agree with Jeff. It was, it's probably my number one park out of I any mean, Disney park. To me, the theming is similar to Animal Kingdom if you like took out the Dino Land Carnival part. <laughs> I mean, it is awesome. Every bit of every land is almost perfectly themed. And yeah, it's just, it's just so much different. Just completely unlike any other park I've been to. Let's go, Catherine. I don't even know. <laughs> okay, do it, do it. <laughs> I don't even know. So just, I guess, overall atmosphere. So it's very well themed. Mm -hmm. What kind of things about that theming, like, stood out? Just how immersive it was, I think. I mean, as soon as you, so you walk in and then... You, depending on which like entrance you come in, you either walk, turn to the right or to the left, and you walk under this archway. And as soon as you go through that archway, like there's not a single thing that doesn't say Mediterranean, like if you were in what I assume Italy, like a Mediterranean city in Italy looks like. And then you get into 
the area over by New York theming. I'm not sure exactly what that area was officially called, but it looks like old New York City. And then you go to around the corner and there's this Cape Cod area. And we actually used to live up in New England and it is exactly like this ocean cities or ocean towns look like. And then Little Mermaid area is unbelievable. And every single thing is just so much attention to detail that it's just not like anything else I'd experienced. So Jeff just listed almost every land except for my favorite one, which I think is also his favorite one. But um, so there's the volcano, which I kept calling the mountain for the first like three days on Instagram. I'd be I, like, there's uh, the mountain. I'd be like, crap, volcano. I meant volcano. No, I think it's called Mount Prometheus. Oh, well, there we go. I had it right the whole time. So, um, but yeah, so behind there is, um, uh, it's, we called it Jules Verne area. So it has during the center of the earth and 20,000 leagues under the sea. Um, but you're like inside the volcano and you can see them digging into journey to the center of the earth. They have like an actual, like, I don't know what the technical term is by Jules Verne, but yeah, it's just the details in there. And then you have the Nautilus in the water down below. Um, so that for me was probably the, my favorite theming. Um, it was just so impressive. Um, and unlike anything else but then you'd walk over to like the aladdin area and they had an indiana jones type area um and they all flowed so well but at the same time individually were themed perfectly so it wasn't like wait i just jumped from new york into a volcano and so it was it was you transitioned enough that it was it was totally fine and uh, there was one other thing in the volcano area. There was like this giant fortress, which uh, a restaurant called Magellan's is within that, but you could also explore all the different rooms. They had a full ship you could go and explore. Um, and so that whole area was amazingly detailed too. And there was no even rides there. It was just kind of like a walkthrough and details and exploring. So yeah, just all of those fun things were, were so awesome. So you already mentioned it, Magellan's. It's, I guess, many people would consider it the premier restaurant in the whole resort, or at least one of. What was that experience like? And I know off-air we talked about that it was not as crazy expensive as you expected it to be. Yeah, so first for price, I mean, it was, uh, we ordered a prefix menu, I think it was three courses, and I had a beer, I don't, I think Sarah's had coffee, and I think it ended up coming to somewhere in the mid to low 70s. Wow. For, you're right, it is at least, from the research we had done, like the premier restaurant in Disney, Tokyo, and you could never do that in Disney. Like one person might get 70 bucks at, you know, a restaurant in Disney if you're at the top ones. And the food was excellent. I mean, I would say that it was a somewhat limited menu. If you're a picky eater, I probably wouldn't go because it might be difficult. But, you know, if you aren't that picky, I certainly would, would check it out. One cool thing, um, they have a secret room in there. It's behind a bookshelf and you go up, you push this little button on the side of the bookshelf and it slides out of the way and then you can go in and wander in there and there's five or six tables of people who are eating. And it was that's pretty cool just to see, just like an extra detail that has no real purpose other than just to be cool. The theming was, yeah, the theming was really good. I think there was maybe only five entree options. So yeah, definitely check it out ahead. We reserved it ahead of time, but it was not that busy. We showed up, what, maybe an hour ahead of our reservation. Yeah, to see if they could sit us early because we were hungry. Yeah, and so they were like, yeah, sure. But that saved me from getting more popcorn. But um, but yeah, I, again, during busier times of the year, it, should, it could probably be nuts. But um, but it was very good food. My dessert was probably the best thing. I have a sweet tooth, so I'm probably biased on that. But it was a really, really nice experience. Uh, 
very good food, very good atmosphere. I would definitely recommend going to it. Um, very good bar. We we stopped there twice. We yeah. So if you do, we actually went to the bar after our meal, um, but we also went into the lounge uh, bar on the top floor uh, another separate time. So even if you aren't able to get a reservation or you don't want to eat a meal there because the menu doesn't look good to you, go to the bar. Um, in Disney Sea, I found my favorite drink I think ever um, as a non-alcoholic drink, and so it's this thing called a coffee float. And I don't know why Starbucks doesn't sell them for like ten dollars a pop because they could, and I would buy them. But they were basically like an iced coffee with a scoop of vanilla ice cream in it. So take your like root beer float, replace the root beer with coffee, and it was so good. So it was my favorite probably drink I had there, alcoholic or non-alcoholic. Um, yeah, so I I would recommend the coffee float. It, you may not know what it is, but it's it's delicious. Get it. Opening later this year in Nashville. There you go. Oh, yeah, coffee float. Coffee, coffee float, float shop. By adults in Disney. <laughs> You'd probably make a killing. Yeah, they were so good. For sure. So then as far as other food, what are some of the other things that you ate in Disney Sea? Uh, curry. So, <laughs> so a few people picked on me about this, but I, so I like curry, um, but any like curry related bun or curry related dish was basically my go-to and popcorn, of course. Um, but they have lots of different buns, um, and different flavored buns. I had one that wasn't curry. That was like a chicken and corn. Um, but those were, we did a lot of like snacking foods. And then there was one place that was like a bakery slash cafe. I don't really know what to compare it to in Disney World. Yeah. I don't um, know. They had little like sandwiches and stuff. Yeah. Um, little bite sized ones. Those were all really good. We had a mochi ball there for the Pixar event. So mm -hmm. they had a special Pixar event that launched when we were there one day and it was going on after that. But in addition to the green alien balls, it was the uh, yellow. Toy Story ball that you see. So that was like a special release mochi ball that was filled with lemon that was really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so all of the food there I would say was minus the one hiccup snack Jeff got in Disneyland. I was, everything was really good. Um, Churros. Oh, we, yeah, so don't discount us as our Disney knowledge for saying this, but we've never had a churro in Disney World, which I know is like insane. Um, <laughs> or but, Disneyland. Or Disneyland, yeah. So we were finally like, okay, we need to get ourselves on a churro. And their churro game was so good. Again, we have nothing to compare it to, but they were really good. They had a potato churro at Disney Sea, which had like a decent line. So I think it's one of the more popular ones, but it was like mashed potatoes meets twice baked potato with some seasoning on it. I don't know, it was delicious. Mm -hmm. And then we had an orange churro that was really good. Yeah, I mean, all the churros were good, but those, yeah, those two were really good. So yeah, so churros also. So now it kind of set the bar high for when we go to Disneyland, because I know Disneyland has all the different fun, really uh, good churros. So now I'm kind of like, all right, all right, Disneyland. I got Tokyo <laughs> Disney's bar set. So we're excited to go there eventually and give those a try. Did you have the, uh, what is it, Shandu bun or Yes. Whatever? Yeah, how was course. that? It was good. It was good, yeah, those yes. were good too. Yeah, that one was really good. I'm trying to remember what was in Shandu. I think it was curry chicken, if I remember right. But um, but yeah, that one was really good. Very cute. Like everything was very cute theming. Um, so if you want to like Instagram picture story, some of the buns were harder because they're like in the thing and they're hot and they're steaming if it's cold out. But um, yeah, it was adorable food. Very, very I fun. I think the word you're looking for is kawaii. <laughs> yeah, okay, yes, yes, that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's the only Japanese word there I know. <laughs> so as far as like pricing, do you think the food was? I was really reasonable, um, you know, 
not even close to the snack prices you'd you'd pay in Disney World. Yeah, you could go up and get a a bun for you know what'd be equivalent of two three bucks here, and very very reasonable. Drinks were under two dollars for like soda related equivalents, and so yeah, it was way cheaper food, both snacks and table service. We found. Um, so yeah, you definitely can save on that. Mm-hmm. I would definitely, yeah, it's good to know. So attractions. So I think from your Instagram, number one tip is to do Toy Story Mania first, right? No, it's <laughs> not. Don't, don't do Toy Story Mania is the number one tip I could give. Unless you have seven days there. Like if you have seven days and you literally just have all the time you know that you want to do whatever yeah do it first but otherwise i mean it is identical to the one in mm-hmm. disney world uh, it, I, the game is identical except for they speak in japanese so Everyone i would skip there. it in 90 it's like flight of passage crowds i mean wow. everybody runs to this ride and fast passes are gone within an hour of the park opening and it's incredible but the the entrance to it with Woody's mouth is something really unique, right? And you got a really good picture of that that I saw. Yeah, yeah, that's a really cool entrance. I will say in the queue, you load. So where you're loading and where the, the cars actually like come into the load area, I don't know what it's like in Disneyland, the queue, but there it's actually kind of cool because it's Andy's bed. So like the toy, the cars come out from under his bed and then continue around. So that's kind of neat, but... I'm not sure that seeing his bed in the queue is worth, you know, what would be two hours. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Minimum of two hours. Yeah. Disneyland is just outside, right? And it's like, they really play on it's the... very carnival. Yeah. It's like the midway. Mm-hmm. Like very on a... Themed. Yeah. I would definitely go, if you want to see the area, go to it at night. We thought at night it looked way prettier because it has all the lights and everything else. During the day, I mean, it's still nice, um, but at night it takes a completely different feel. So besides that one, is Journey to the Scenario Earth, is that the best attraction in Disney Sea? you think? It was our favorite. I don't know if it's the best. I mean, it was definitely our favorite by, by a lot. How it happened is we rode during the Scenario Earth the first time. And we're like, eh, it was okay. Not what we thought. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, and I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but it was just not at all what we thought because it had got kind of talked up by us. So I don't want to talk it up by you and then offset it. <laughs> But um, but if we wrote it, I would encourage you to write it more than once. And every time we wrote it, we just kept being like, that's really good. Wow, that's really good. So it just kept building, I guess. So I'd say that's a don't miss. I would say Indiana Jones is another don't miss. That was really good. Um, I definitely do it, either fast pass it or wait in the queue and do it. And then Tower of Terror, if you're okay with like the drop motion, uh, the ride itself, like the feeling of the ride is the same, but the theming is completely different. The story's different. The yeah. story's different. And again, the story's all in Japanese, but like you can still follow along. We, we made up what we think the story is, but we, I swear we are like 90, we're, we're 98% right. there. No, we, we got know, it. We know it. We happened. know it. But um, <laughs> basically this guy collects antiquities and one of them's cursed and the cursed antiquity thing he brought back causes problems and so by killing you in the elevator so um so that but the theming and like just the cue for it you go into his house at one point and you're loading onto the elevator and they just have i thought disney world's theming was good um this was way better and i didn't think i could ever say that but the theming was so much better it was so good um probably one of the best theming i've had and then Sinbad, I really liked for you know, like it's just a slow moving boat ride. That was that's 
got an awesome story. Again, in Japanese, but you can you can pretty much follow along without needing to speak Japanese on everything. And it's a super catchy song. It's like just like it's a small will get stuck in your head. I don't speak the Japanese, but I like da da da, and they like singing it afterwards. Jeff like stops there. I'm like sorry, it's just there. I can't get rid of it. So I don't know if you guys know, but I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna keep asking people until I get an answer on this. Where did Sinbad and Shandu come from? Like. Are they based on anything else, or is it original to that ride? I don't know. I Googled it for like an hour one day. I think, well, I'm going to say this now. People are going to listen to me and think I'm an idiot. If I'm wrong, if they're not, they're going to think I'm a genius. <laughs> no, I, I think it was based on a show from like the 60s or the 50s that had like one season and was canceled. Okay. But that could be 100% wrong. It was harder to Google and find an answer than I thought it should be. Of course, like... Me being naive, I kept hearing people talk about Sinbad and like thinking about our U.S. comedian oh, Sinbad. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, I know he's good, but the whole ride in Tokyo, but okay. Yeah. No, that makes so this, more sense. this show I found had many similarities because I read the whole plot for this show once I found it. <laughs> and it had many similarities to the ride. Almost too many to be a coincidence. Gotcha. Plus then, the name. Yeah. So I, I do think that's what it was from. And that ride normally had no weight. So it was one of those where like if you have time to kill before a fast pass or something and you just want to go on a ride, that was like the perfect ride. It's, it's way longer than I thought it would be, but it was, we rode it multiple times, uh, mm -hmm. but it was really, really good. So I think one of the last things for C is the show. So you mentioned Big Bad, you, you know how to Big Band B. Big Band B. I keep wanting to say Big Bad Wolf B. <laughs> so that, that one's the one in English. You said it's New York themed? Yep. Yeah, it's basically like jazz era New York uh, City. So uh, there are some character special appearances that come in. So if you want to see the Mickey and everything else, they're in there. But it's just an extremely well done show. I think out of Disney, uh, Tokyo, I think it's the most popular out of any of them. Uh, again, we got lucky. We just went in like five minutes before, like, let's just walk over and see if it happens to work out. And because the park wasn't busy or whatever, we were able to get in. Um, there really weren't any bad seats. We were on the second level and could see everything perfectly fine. But yeah, that whole show, I forgot I was in Tokyo when I was watching it because it was all in English, English speakers. Um, English performers. Yeah, English or performers. American performers or at least American leads. American, yeah, accents, everything else. So yeah, I completely forgot I was there. Um, but every once in a while they'd slip in like a joke and we'd, we'd be giggling and like no one else. <laughs> and so, yeah, um, but the songs were really good. The singers were really good. I think all the singers were live. Um, but that I definitely would recommend not missing. It was, it lived up to expectations. I really mm -hmm. liked it. Again, I like shows a lot, so I might be a bit more biased than Jeff, but. No, I mean, it was, I thought it was way better than One Man's Dream. Yes, okay. I completely of, agree. Of like the lottery, the two lottery shows you had, that would, if you only see one, definitely make it that one. Do you know why they would have it in English if it's if no one else understands what's going on? So all I can think is just to stay true to the New York theming because it is in the New York part. But at the same time, if they put it in Japanese, like I don't think anybody would have thought it was. Oh man, I'm not in New York now. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't know. I think it was a theming thing because also in some of the parades and stuff, if you had certain characters, um, they'd always be. So I feel like if you had like Ariel or somebody, they were for some reason speaking English way more or some of the princesses. Whereas if you had Goofy or something like that, they would typically be in Japanese with a different voice and something that wouldn't be as recognizable. I don't know if that was just like a random thing I picked up and is not at all true. But, um, but yeah, my guess is the theming of it. Hmm. 
Interesting. I, th- I remember I messaged you about there's one recording, like Mickey's voice was way higher pitched when yeah. he spoke in Japanese than, than what we would typically hear, which is interesting. Did they have any like nighttime shows in Disney Sea, or was that the only one? So they had a few other shows. So they had some daytime stage shows, and then they had like a boat come around and like show off the characters. At night, the only nighttime show that I remember at Disney Seas was just the Phantasmic show, which again, according to our luck, just like the you can't win the lottery, if you're at there and trying to watch Phantasmic, it's gonna get canceled. But, <laughs> but, um, but I think again, that was probably just because the time of the year and the wind, but it was mostly like stage shows and then just Phantasmic and yeah. Big Bambi. Uh, they didn't really have any parades there. It was, I think Lightning McQueen well, did a victory lap at one point, but... Yeah, I think their equivalent of the parade there is the characters on water floats instead of parade floats. And they just literally parade around the harbor in circles and then leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, the, the vast majority of the people there really like taking character pictures. So it was... A very big deal deal for them. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, if you want a prime spot for something like that, if the characters are going to be there, then you probably want to line up more. Big Man Beats, they were very strict of no pictures. Um, So there's lots of people keeping an eye. So I desperately wanted to try to get some (laughs) sort of video, but I didn't want to disrespect or upset anybody there. Uh, So we didn't, but they were definitely like keeping a very close eye in that show, more than I think any other show. I felt it there. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder what that is. I mean, they just don't want it like out on YouTube or I, things like that. I don't know because they like encouraged it in one man stream almost. I mean, yeah. there were tons of people taking pictures of the characters there. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really know why at this one they were adamantly against photography. Yeah. Hmm. In so, phones and stuff. Similar to the um, not being able to, or like the standing and sitting for the parades, when you were able to take pictures or videos of any of the shows, uh, they wouldn't let you hold your phone or a camera more than like above your head level. So you couldn't like hold it up over people and block the people behind you. So they were very, uh, they'd say something if you like held your phone up even a little bit, they'd only let you keep it at head level so you weren't hurting other people's experiences, which I feel like I've watched the fireworks sometimes at other parks and like you have an iPad in your view and it's like, what is this person doing? Um, and I mean, we do Instagram stories too. So like, I know it's like tough, but there, uh, it was very strict, but it kind of worked out because everybody was doing it. And they also in seated shows, will make you take off ears, hats, anything. Like baseball caps are fine, winter hats are fine, but anything that extends like above your actual head, mm-hmm. they'd ask you to take them off so they you didn't block anyone else's view, which was pretty nice because I've sat behind ears or goofy hats or things like that before. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's just nice not to have that be the case. Yeah. And photography wise, you couldn't have tripods. So that Yeah, was... that's not allowed either. Wink, wink, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you have wives to block a little. No, we, we, the tripod, he did try, and I think he only got told anything once, but it was only like how many inches? It's super It's like tiny. four inches tall only, yeah. So, yeah. You gotta do it. I can't believe I'm gonna say this term, but for the grand. Do it for the grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like I made a promise to myself long ago that I would never say that. But here we are. Here we are. Well, awesome. I mean, I think we, that's a very extensive coverage so i i appreciate you guys so much for sharing your experiences because i think for us for people like us we don't have a tokyo trip on the books but we know for sure like someday we're going someday and i know so many other people feel that same way that it's a part that if you're a disney fan you just got to make it out there is there any other tips or key takeaways that you would want to share with anybody so um 
go is number one. So definitely do it. If you have enough time, um, you don't really need to plan too much. We, we won it a lot with the rides and stuff. Um, but we plan some of the meals in the hotels ahead of time. So don't stress over that. You'll, you'll hopefully be able to get a pit fit it in. I'd say four days is probably the ideal amount unless you're taking tons of photos. Um, one thing we didn't touch on, but if you do stay at a Disney hotel, you get this thing called the Magic 15. And so that's basically an extra 15 minutes you get into the park then prior. So it's like early hours at uh, Disney World, but it's a very small group of people because it's just the people at those deluxe hotels. You actually get in 30 minutes early at Disneyland, 15 at Disney Sea, but it basically gives you enough time to go get a fast pass for a ride um, and then maybe jump into a line before the other people. You can't get the fast pass until the actual park opens, like the 9 a.m., but you could scan it and essentially by the other time the people came to you, you'd be in line. So you basically get a little bit of a head start. Yeah, it's good for like a fast pass and a ride. Mm -hmm. So you're getting an extra, you know, two rides out of the 15 minutes. So it sounds like they stick pretty strict to schedule. Like in Disney World, a lot of times you'll get into Magic Kingdom maybe 30 minutes before. Yeah, like in Magic Kingdom, there's no, it's whenever they decide to let you in that <laughs> yeah. day, it seems like. I mean, they'll let you to the rides maybe at the right time, but yeah, no, it's- It's strict. It's, yeah, they let you in on the dot. That's the time. But every everything was like that. Buses show up on the dot. The monorail has an actual clock that says it will be X minutes until the monorail comes. And when that gets, like when it says four minutes, it's four minutes and that monorail's there. Yeah. So every, every, it's just very on time and it's like, this is what it is. This is when things happen. That's probably one of the most frustrating things, especially like if you're waiting for a Disney World bus and you're sitting at the resort <laughs> and they have the clocks and it's like, okay, it'll be here in 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes. Then it's like, it'll be another 15 minutes. And it's like, well, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> Did the bus disappear? Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, if you're nervous at all about the language barriers, if you're nervous about navigating a foreign country, um, honestly, that should not be the concern. So if you're able to go over, definitely do it. Every Disney fan, I'd encourage you to put it on your bucket list and try to get over there at some point. Um, but but it, was, it was awesome. Yeah, it's really just, you know, getting there. I think that that's the challenge, but... You know, if you live on the East Coast, just stop in Disneyland and then Hawaii and then stop. <laughs> Make a big old big trip. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like the perfect way to unwind after a Tokyo trip. Yeah, <laughs> Sitting yeah. on the beach in Honolulu. <laughs> but yeah, it really, once you're there, it was so easy. It, I mean, it, it really couldn't have been any easier to do things. The language didn't matter. Eating, finding food that you liked didn't matter, you know, navigating the parks or getting to the parks on the monorail, checking in the hotels. It was so easy. Have you had any discussions? You, you only have two Disney parks left, right? That you haven't been to in the, in the whole world. Do you have any thoughts of ever going to Hong Kong or Shanghai? Uh, yeah, either next winter or the one after. So next January or the following January, it's one of the two. But we're actually just going to go back to Tokyo first in May. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we yeah we already have a Tokyo trip booked on the books. So you're the first to know. Um, so yeah, we do we do have that that trip. We're going to do actually the four. So like we aren't just preaching about the four days for nothing. But yeah, so we're actually going to do the four days, and then we're going to do a little more touring since it'll be a bit nicer weather. But uh, maybe we'll know then if crowds will be busier at that time of year. But when we go back, we definitely want to hit Shanghai and Hong Kong sometime very, so, soon. very soon. Yeah, we definitely want to want to check them off. And then someday we'll get to that around the world trip. So <laughs> that's still that's that's our main bucket list one. But man, 
Well, that sounds like a ton of fun. I thank you guys so much for sharing your experiences in Tokyo again. We've had a blast. Despite all the technical difficulties (laughs) and how long it took us to get this episode put together, I know that our listeners will really appreciate it. So I I thank you guys so much. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank thank you you so much for having us. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, to our listeners, if you're not already... Make sure you connect with Sarah and Jeff over on Instagram at Adults and Disney or at their website, adultsanddisney.com. See some of those amazing pictures, read some of those blogs, and, and catch up on some of their reports and reviews and things from all the different parks. So, thanks again. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.